1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. mobilecom
2: What's good, my friends? This is the most interactive sports talk show anywhere. It's Offsides. Mark Ryan and Diesel, and we are... The Fan Upstate rolling on until 7 o'clock p.m. today. Fantastic to have you guys with us. Always do appreciate you making time for us here on a Monday edition of the show. Could not do it without you ever. And, uh, man, we appreciate you so much. Thank you so very, very much for t- making the show what it's become. Part of the fabric of our community right here. Here's how you can take part in the show. You can give us a ring at 844-FAN-PHONE. That's 844-326-3663. And the carpro.com text line is there for you at 71307. to start your text with the word FAN, and away you go on the show. Zach Arnett lost his job at Mississippi State. Some are saying Mississippi State did him dirty. What do I say? Not really. You saw a major step down after Mike Leach. They're not looking to do that. Mike Leach took them to a level that was kind of Dan Mullen-ish, esque right? Zach Arnett immediately brought them back down to earth. There wasn't any particular area that you could feel good about if you're a Mississippi State fan. Jimbo Fisher loses his job. It's not a surprise that it happened. It's a surprise that it happened when it did, after that fresh off a 51-10 win. How crazy is it that A&M and Mississippi State played each other on Saturday? Were both athletic directors talking to having a conversation during the game? Yeah, we're going to bleep can our guy after the game. How about you? That's a good idea. We're going to bleep can ours too. Both guys got fired. A&M won the game 51-10. The problem for Jimbo Fisher – he made twice as much as the previous coach Kevin Sumlin, and produced about the same results. Uh, Jimbo Fisher was 27 and 21 in the SEC. Kevin Sumlin was 25 and
3: 23. Uh, SEC Shorts had an excellent video oh, about they? this. It they, it was a group of A&M fans gathering around uh, one of those Balthazar. You know, you drop in a quarter and it it predicts your future. Machines like from the movie Big, and uh, the thing comes to life and is like, oh, it's you guys let me be real with you it's it's not gonna go the way that you want it to they're like oh well you know even if we don't win a win a national championship we'll like we'll play for a few right they're like yeah no not even close uh win the conference no it's not gonna happen win the division nope and and it's just se it's just uh a&m fans spiraling and trying to deal with it that's great (laughs) it's it's great I, i love sec shorts they're so good Yeah, they're fantastic.
2: Fantastic. Got to check those out if you haven't done so already. All right, my friends. It is time for us, and by the way, also talking to you guys about the most unlikable college football personalities. Um, I think you know as well as I do, if you put it up to America's vote, right, if you said, give us the most unlikable personalities in college football, I think you know both Beamer and Dabo would be on that list. It doesn't mean that, you know, like – I don't know. Dabo hasn't been unlikable to me. Beamer has been unlikable to me, but Dabo has not, right? You're just predicting how America would vote, right? I think you both know Dabo and Beamer would be on that list, right? But who is the most unlikable personality in college football? That said, my friends, it is time for us to do that jam. We call it the Top Five at Five, the Top Five biggest sports stories of the day, the Top Five topics we're discussing, ladies and gentlemen of the Upstate Offsiders. The Top Five at Five starts right now.
1: And now the Top Five at Five. And
2: five, four, three, two, one. Hit it. Five. How about the shock on Friday nights? If only somebody had warned you that no one was giving Hillcrest a shot all week long. And then Hillcrest goes out and and punks Burns on Burns' home field, 27-24 in overtime. You know, I was looking at this game, and I'm like, why are people talking about Hillcrest like they're a nothing non-conference game for Burns? Oh, yeah, just passing the time... They're a 5A team who's 9-2, 9-2. And And now for the second straight week, we've got a Hillcrest Ram as our high school player of the week. Now Burns is playing for nothing because they're going home. Let me tell you, I was not at the game on Friday, but I was told by a number of people they were beside themselves at some of the coaching decisions that they saw from Burns. Burns had a 24-10 lead later in the contest could not hold it uh, continue to beat itself stab itself in the in the foot you've heard um, you've heard people like Cole Bryson say let me tell you Mark the issue with Burns has not been the talent what does that tell you if, if the issue isn't the talent what is it if the team has a 24-10 lead and blows it what's the problem especially when everybody is livid but I told you all week long, do not overlook Hillcrest. And it seems like Burns did exactly that. Now the season for the Rev- Rebels is finuto. And we're bummed because we don't have high school games to carry anymore. Next up. four Folks, uh, this is something that we need to nip in the bud right now. So I'm going to use my platform to do just that. Diesel, I'd like you to listen carefully to what I read here. This is from On Three Services Recruiting. They say Miami four star wide receiver commit, Chance Robinson, is now focused on making a final decision after official visits to Ole Miss and Ohio State. Quote, I need to decide where I want to be and what school is going to have the best plan for me. Four star Miami wide receiver commit. Is that is that acting like commitment to you? That is not a commitment. Do we understand, folks, what the word commitment means anymore? Do we understand, right, um, an engagement or obligation that restricts freedom of action, the state or quality of being dedicated to a cause, activity, etc. Once you commit, you do not have freedom of action. Why have we lost the meaning of this word? Um, A good follow on Twitter, his name is Rightfield Renegades Clubnick's Army, says, I don't understand how we accept this verbiage as normal. Miami commit is now trying to decide between Miami, Ohio State, and Ole Miss. Like, what are we doing here? You know, I really value how Dabo...
3: um, doesn't allow kids to commit unless they're done taking visits. Yeah, I think it's time to readjust and substitute the word "lean." He's leaning Miami. He's not committed to Miami. He's um, he's leaning towards Miami. But it's the exact same problem we have in
2: romantic relationships today. You know, like yeah, no, you're leaning no,
3: towards this girl you've been dating for the last eight months, but you know, you step out every now and again. You're not committed. You are not committed at all. You
2: know, we don't understand the value of commitment anymore.
3: Can we get a wellness check on Madcraft, by the way? This news, I'm sure, is very devastating to him.
2: Oh, it is. It is. Um, But, yeah, like, guys, we got to do better. We got to do better on the commitment front, you know. And, you know, we got to stop normalizing this. We have to coalesce and be actively critical every single time we hear something like this. Every time we hear something like this, we need to be actively critical. Because it's a joke, and it's an epidemic in our society today. Commitment, an engagement or obligation that restricts freedom of action. Somebody want to tell Chance Robinson that? Pathetic. Pathetic. And you don't want to assume somebody didn't grow up well or something like that. You don't want to assume that, okay? But some lessons are clearly not being taught.
3: Next up. Before we get there, Madcraft says Armando Blunt was committed to Miami, flipped to Florida State, and now says he may flip back. We don't want you. I need unwavering. That's it, man. That's it. Hey, man,
2: I was committed to you in a relationship. (laughs) Then I cheated on you, but I may flip back. That guy will
3: transfer immediately when things aren't going his way.
2: Exactly. You don't want that. You don't need that. Next up. Three. At number three, Clemson against Georgia Tech. Who told you? Not to pick Georgia Tech in the Upset Pick Challenge. Yet double digits of you guys, of you offsiders, did. I told you, this is a wasted pick. Clemson has turned a corner. Clemson has found a wave of momentum. Clemson is playing at home in front of a raucous crowd. And I'm telling you, Dabo Sweeney uh, does a better job than just about every coach in America at continuing to get buy-in when the goals of the season have been lost. He gets that buy-in week in and week out. Georgia Tech had an offense. Georgia Tech didn't have an offense against the number six defense in America, Clemson. Haynes King had been in line with Jaden Daniels, one of only two quarterbacks in America, that had thrown for over 2,000 yards, rushed for over 500 yards, and thrown for 20 touchdown passes or more. What did Haynes King do against Clemson? Minus three yards rushing, 129 yards passing on a 13-for-31 effort, and a QBR, wait for it, of (laughs) 10.1. Total ever-loving beatdown. All right, Georgia Tech fans were saying to me last week, why aren't we in your ACC top five, Mark Ryan? Why aren't we in your ACC top five? Yeah, I said beat Clemson and you will be. It's amazing. I haven't heard from a single one of them since Saturday. Not a single one. Clemson is playing its best football right now. Cade Klubnick is still being asked just to play a game manager role. But when you have that defense, so long as you don't turn the ball over, you're going to be in every game. So game manager it away, Cade. Keep game managing it all the way through. Next up. two. How about Furman? How about Furman, my friends? Absolutely, positively opening a can on VMI over the weekend with a backup quarterback at the helm. In so doing, earning the first outright title in the SoCon conference for the Dins since 1990. They effed VMI one time. They effed VMI two times. They effed VMI three times.
3: Oh, no, 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 my friends. They have effed VMI all the time. So, Mark, I've taken on Saturday evenings after a lot of these games have been played, I've taken to the Fan FanUpState Twitter account and I'm sharing – or excuse me, to the Instagram account. And I'm sharing the, uh, the game-winning announcements from local college teams to our story. And I posted Furman's uh, notification that they had won – With the poll, the question was FU one time. And then the options that they could click and vote were FU two times, three times, or all the time. And the most uh, common answer. All the time. All the time. (laughs) Yeah. By like 70% of the vote. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. All the time, baby. And twice on Sunday. And let me tell you what else, guys. Um, Furman is one game away from clinching the number two seed in the FCS playoffs, meaning what? They will host every single game at home until the national championship game. Can we pledge together that we're going to pack Paladin Stadium? You, me, and everybody, we're going to pack Paladin Stadium. They're going to get a first round bye. We're going to pack Paladin Stadium for these FCS playoffs because Furman's going to be
3: hosting every single game until the end and we need to show them our support. Can we get the FCS National Championship game back to the East Coast somewhere? Before I was in school, it was in Idaho. They used to play it at the University of Idaho for years, and they do this in, like, 10-year blocks. The same site will host the game for a decade. And before I got to school, it was in Idaho. When I was in school, it was in Chattanooga. It was fantastic. It was just across the mountains in Tennessee. It's been in Frisco for quite a while now. It's time to move this thing. Get it out of Frisco. Get it back on the East Coast somewhere. And I, I'm telling you, man, go into a national championship game that's a two-and-a-half-hour drive, two-hour drive from where your campus is. It couldn't be a better atmosphere. It's essentially a home game for you.
2: Let's make it happen. Go Dins. Super proud of you guys, if man. If only
3: Malden had a stadium.
2: That's true. And finally, one. who is number one on our list today? The Gamecocks. Most complete performance of the year. The one thing Vanderbilt could do coming in was throw the football. They couldn't throw the football against you. Mid 200s in total yards for Vanderbilt. How much better of a team is Jacksonville State than Vanderbilt, by the way? Oh, my gosh. Um, and the Gamecocks are peaking right where you want them to be peaking. Right right at the end of the year, playing playing for bowl eligibility. You've got Kentucky coming up at home this weekend. I think the wrong team is favored in that game. I think it should be the. I think it should be the South Carolina Gamecocks. Kentucky's not playing for anything anymore. South Carolina suddenly can run and stop the run. And before you hit me with it's just Vanderbilt, that ignores the fact that the team has improved significantly um, between September, when Furman was giving them a run for their money, and Vanderbilt. Okay, forty-seven to six was the final score. And I think it's okay to stop and smell the roses even in an otherwise down season. South Carolina has a shot to make a bowl game yet again this year. You know, the game time for the Clemson game is announced. I've been told to never call it the Palmetto Bowl. I'm told to call it Clemson, South Carolina and nothing else. So I've learned 7.30 p.m. it'll be in the lights. Clemson fans, are you scared of playing South Carolina in the lights? Does that get to you? Because they were pleading for a night game. Look, from what we've been told, the spread of that game is going to be in the single digits, under a touchdown, six and a half points. Kentucky is favored over South Carolina. I think South Carolina should be favored over Kentucky. Will Clemson, South Carolina this year, will that game be decided by a single-digit score or a double-digit score? You let us know. Congrats, Gamecoats, on the most complete game of the year and proving yourselves to be, if not a top 25 outfit, a potentially one that is becoming a respectable team. And those are today's top five at five. Now it's your chance to chime in, which you can do at 844-FAN-PHONE. That's 844 F A N F O N E. That's 844-326-3663. The carpro.com text line is there for you at 71307. Just start your text with the word FAN and away you go. You can get to us on Facebook, on Twitter, and on YouTube. At The Fan Upstate on everyone, Please like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and subscribe to us on YouTube. And finally, email. You guys can all email the show. Mark Ryan. That's M-A-R-C-Ryan at thefanupstate.com. All the different ways you can get in touch with us here on the most interactive sports radio show anywhere. Coming up next, boy, Cole Bryson's got some explaining to do after some uh, some playoff picks that he had over the weekend and setting the table for the very, very next round. What Was, was the caliber of play here in the upstate overrated all year long? That's next here on Offsides.
1: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
2: It's offside, Smart Ryan and Diesel. And we are the fan upstate. Uh, Lisa Justice Smith, how are you, Lisa? Great to hear from you. She says, Clemson lady here, I believe Clemson-South Carolina is going to be a double-digit game. Both defenses are weak. Uh, well, well, you, you know, look, uh, I believe that uh, Clemson's defense is going to really shut down South Carolina. Uh, Texter says there should be a huge spike around the Clemson-Carolina game. I trust y'all will pump out great content during and after the game. Diesel just announced uh, yeah. in the uh, commercial break that um, you know, and I I would prefer not even to share a number here, Diesel, for for the simple fact that I think it jinxes us w- in terms of what we're capable of. Well, but uh, we set a number in terms of downloads this year that is the greatest number of downloads any show at this station has ever had. Yep. Um, and
3: which is for, a record that we ourselves set last year. Yes. Yes. We so, set the record last year, and we have obliterated it now with six weeks to go in the year. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, We promise you – let's do this, days. We promise you we'll tell them at the end of the year what the final number is. Uh, But we have beaten it, beaten our own record by a wide margin here, and we thank you guys so, so much for consuming our content. And we
3: want you to keep consuming it. Yes, please. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, wherever it is you download your podcasts, search for Offsides with Mark Ryan, Click the subscribe, follow, like, whatever whatever they call it on whatever platform you use. Consume some podcasts. Help us get there.
2: There you go. There you go. All right. Joining us right now is Cole Bryson. Uh, Cole Bryson, our high school football expert. Look, guys, uh, the way that sports media works nowadays is you can be right a ton of the time, but it's when you're wrong that goes viral. Um, Cole Bryson is as an un- incredible record of 260 wins and 68 losses in his predictions on the year. But I'm about to bust him right in the chops about Burns Hillcrest <laughs> because, Cole, I told you, like I had a direct question to you. Why does it seem like no one is giving Hillcrest a chance in this game? There seems to be like an upstate arrogance here, uh, a, a, two, a region 2A arrogance here, um, and Hillcrest is a very good 9-2 and two 5A football team. Uh, I don't get it, Cole. I, to me, I want to choose to give a lot of credit to Hillcrest here, but what I'm hearing from the Burns people is there's something to the point that you made earlier in the season, Cole, when you were asked, what's wrong with Burns? And you said, I'll just say it's not the players. That I've heard a lot of anger about that point that you made earlier in the year, uh, people having expressing a lot of anger about that, the coaching side of things after that game on Friday night.
4: Well, Mark, I, I, listen. There's there's parts of what you just said that I do agree with, and and I don't mean this in any disrespect. But if you grow up here and you you are used to what Burns is year in and year out, and the state titles and the expectation that the Rebels program has, uh, it, it is a surprise that Hillcrest beats Burns, and and not only that, it's a surprise that Hillcrest and J.L. Mann two Greenville County schools are playing in the third round, and there's not a single Spartanburg County program playing in the third round since 2006. People aren't used to Greenville County being on the scene like they are. And, uh, yeah, you're right, Mark. Uh, To your point about Burns' performance on Friday, it's like I said Saturday on the program. Listen, two things can be true. Uh, Hillcrest played the better game. They wanted it more. They scored 17 unanswered points and they deserved to win that game on Friday night. But on the flip coin, on the flip side, you look at that game and you see things like Trey Seguera, who had over 140 yards rushing in the first half on Friday for the Rebels. He got uh, – I think he got held to 20 yards in the second half on less than six carries. So, uh, you know, I remember back in the day Marcus Latimore – you know, in the quarter the semifinal games against Dorman and against Sumter, he'd have thirty one and thirty eight yard or thirty one and thirty eight carries a game. Mark, you run the horse till the horse can't run anymore. And when you have a, a stud running back like Segura, the Hillcrest coaches, I was told by a Hillcrest coach this weekend that the Hillcrest coaches were talking on the headsets, asking what in the world was going on in the sense of why Trey Seguera was not getting the football in the second half. That is a question that has to be answered by the OC for the Rebels. And and, and you know what? That's uh, that that is uh, it's a disappointment for sure. But again, Hillcrest wanted it more. Seventeen unanswered points. You got
2: to tip your hat to the Rams. Do you get the sense, Cole, that uh, you know? I mean, we we've got to say it right now, right? I mean, Region uh, Region 2A was uh, overrated. Well, I think Region 2-5A was the worst it's been in a while,
4: to your point, Mark. Um, and, and, again, I don't mean that in a uh, you know a uh, disrespectful way to any of those programs. There's one team remaining from Region 2-5A, and that's Gaffney. Dorman was down. We know that. You and I have talked about that a lot this year. They're not. Uh, if we, we couldn't believe the first six weeks of the year how bad Dorman was, just to be quite frank. Spartanburg couldn't score. If you handed them the football at the pylon, uh, you know, Bowling Springs, second-year head coach, those guys, you know, obviously were a much-improved team, but they still weren't... It it still takes a while to build a program back up, so you had three teams in Dorman, Spartanburg, and Bowling Springs that just weren't anywhere on the same level of, of, you know, elite as we're used to seeing. The offenses were down without a doubt. Burns, we know how good Burns was. They Mark, they won 10 games uh, and they beat Gaffney for the region championship, but I believe that game where they beat Gaffney and Gaffney had five or six turnovers, Mark, I could be wrong, but I believe that was the only regular season win over a 5A team with a winning record for the Rebels. So they had a a, a very favorable non-region schedule, and uh, yeah, it it was a very down year for Region 2 5A without a doubt.
2: Cole Bryson joining us here on the show. Cole, I want to talk to you a little bit about D- Dutch Fork, uh, who had a very, very, very narrow uh, escape in in their game and look very beatable. I mean, Hannah, as you said, missed a 26-yard field goal. At the high school level, Cole, is a 26-yard field goal expected to be made or is that in the 50-50 category?
4: No, Mark, it's it's expected. I mean, that's a great question. Um listen at the high school level the 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 biggest thing that we see is the the range as you get further out obviously that's where it becomes an issue right but from 30 25 and in uh you know usually we're talking about pretty automatic and obviously every high school has a different kicker right and some are better than others but 26 yard field goal is from the what 16, you know, the the ball is at the around the 16 yard line from where the kick's going to be kicked. So, it, no, that's expected to be made and I'm sure that if that TL Hannah kicker, if he makes, if he kicks that field goal again uh right after that, he probably makes it Mark, but it's definitely expected to be made, but a huge huge win for Dutch Fork, man. I mean, you're talking about the way they started the season and all of a sudden they get everybody back. We say it all the time. It, it doesn't really matter how you start, Mark. It matters how you finish and Dutch Fork right now is one of the hottest teams in the state.
2: And so, as we look at that matchup, right, uh, Gaffney and, uh, and Dutch Fork, um, how do you handicap that one? You know, like I, I was going to, and I meant to ask you this last week, Cole. I was going to guess that if you had a line on Burns Hillcrest, and if I did ask you this, let me know. I would say you would have told me Burns minus eight and a half, nine at home. You know, maybe? yeah. Um, yeah. and uh, but but what's the line, Gaffney at Dutch Fork? You know, like you're telling me D- Dutch Fork gets a good win. We're looking at this two different ways, Cole. I'm looking at that and saying, yeah, they, they continue to be very, very beatable, very beatable. So can Gaffney do the trick? Well, you're
4: right, they are beatable. Spartanburg showed that. again, we just talked about Spartanburg being a team that couldn't score all year with a very bad offensive line that, that struggled mightily this season. Spartanburg. Remember, Spartanburg beat Dutch Fork. Now, that was with Dutch Fork's backup quarterback, the Hunt kid, who's back now. He didn't play against Hannah, but they held him out precautionary for a hamstring that he re aggravated. He is expected to be back on Friday night. But Dutch Fork Gaffney, with it being at Dutch Fork, Mark, um, you know, Gaffney will have to get on the bus for an hour and a half ride or whatever, you know, whatever it is from Gaffney to, to Irmo where Dutch Fork plays. I would probably say right off the cuff, Mark, that Gaffney is still favored, even on the road. Uh, They have had uh, three losses this year, have the Indians, to Crest, who's probably going to be playing for a state championship in North Carolina, to Northwestern, who will be playing for a 4A state championship without a doubt here in South Carolina, and Burns, who was the region champion. So all of Gaffney's losses are are really, really uh, or against quality opponents. They didn't have a bad loss this season, and I think that the way that they've consistently beat good teams, as well as like Fort Dorchester and you know uh, Dutch Fork, even though they had their quarterback injured, uh, they still had some losses to teams like Spartanburg, and they they didn't win the region. So I think Gaffey would be favored, Mark, if I had to answer your question, but I don't think it would be by many.
3: Cole, you talked about Boiling Springs being in the second year of their coaching staff. Do you see any? Uh, any major shakeups and changes happening in this off season, with even if it's with some teams that have just been eliminated from the playoffs, or or uh, you know programs that fancy themselves annual playoff teams that just didn't quite get there this year, uh, do you see any coaching changes happening?
4: Well, you know, right now it's, it's a good question. We've been talking about that. Me and a few others that that cover high school football, uh, we all we, the one that we all knew for certain, we thought we were, we were going to get right was Union County. And Brian Thompson, we felt like Union County would make a change. They haven't yet, and, and from what I've heard, that uh, as of late, they are looking to uh, keep Brian Thompson. Again, things could change, but that's the, probably the biggest one we were keeping a track of. That's a legitimate, um, you know, storyline. Diesel. Obviously, you know how Burns fans are. When Burns loses a playoff game, they want everybody in the staff, including the the janitor, fired. Right. So we know how Burns fans react after a loss, they want everyone in Duncan that has a, a, a paid position. They want them gone. Uh, I don't know if that's as realistic as we're talking about with other schools, but you know, over the last three to four years, we've had a lot of coaching changes, especially over in Spartanburg County. I, I don't think that in the upstate this year, we have as many as we've had in the past. We have a lot of coaches who are really good coaches, especially over in Greenville County, you know, with uh, Scoot Watson and, and Bennett Swagger at Hillcrest. Um, so I don't think we see a ton this off season, but if we do, it could it could come by surprise.
2: Uh, Cole, it seems to me like if you were talking about biggest upsets, burns Hillcrest might be 1A, but 1B might be Chester Chapman. How did that happen?
4: Man, you know, we all knew that Chester coming into the game was a good team. And if you would have said that Chester wins, it wouldn't have shocked me a ton, Mark. But what's so shocking about that was the way that Chapman lost. That game was never competitive. And and, and Ch- to be quite frank, Chester blew the doors off of the Panthers at their own field. And, uh, you know, Harry Kavanis uh, has been at Chapman for a few years now and has done an incredible job. You know, Chapman's defense is what I thought would keep him in the game. And Chapman's defense is kind of the, the unit that got embarrassed, if you will. 58 points allowed by the Chester Cyclones. Chester's the real deal in 3A, obviously. That year in and year out, they have uh, – Athletes that can go speed for speed and, and position versus position with anybody, uh, but man, for them to beat Chapman the way they did was, was the most surprising to me, Mark. Now it'll be really fun to see if those teams like Chester can somehow, some way knock off a team in the, in the 3A playoffs like a Daniel.
2: 'll be it'll be absolutely fascinating to see Cole uh, set the table outside of Gaffney and Dutch Fork which we've discussed what are some of the matchups you're keying in on here in the third week of the playoffs
4: well third week of the playoffs the uh the, the matchups are getting fewer and fewer right uh in 1A what's interesting mark is there are three teams from region one 1a still standing Christchurch. Blackville-Hilda should be a good one. And then the rematch from region play, Southside-Christian versus St. Joseph's. That one right there is one in 1A that I would really keep my, all, my eye on in Greenville County. Southside-Christian won the regular season matchup, so that's one, that one should be really interesting. Clinton-BHP and 3A is fascinating. And 4A-Greenville, can Greenville do the unthinkable, Mark? We talked about, you, you just mentioned the upset of the year. Uh, with potentially Burns Hillcrest last week, well, uh, this may be the upset of the decade or of the century if Greenville could somehow go to District Three Stadium and knock off Northwestern. The best team I've seen this year is Northwestern. I've said that several times. And then both five A games, Mark. Only two five A games left. JL Man Hillcrest, a rematch from two weeks ago, where uh, JL Man was trailing twenty-one to seven. Hillcrest quarterback goes down. J.L. Mann scores 14 to get it tied, and J.L. Mann ends up winning the game. Obviously, J.L. Mann's, or excuse me, Hillcrest quarterback was back last week against Burns, and they expect to have him back this week for the rematch two weeks later. This time, the winner advances to play the winner of Gaffney Dutch Fork, which should be an incredible game. Uh both five a games are fascinating. Avery McFadden for Hillcrest, who by the way was is the player of the week that'll be on with you mark on Wednesday. He has had an absolutely fascinating season, and when you look at uh what he can do uh against j l Mann, that one is really fascinating. He has seven touchdowns total this year in four different ways. I'm sorry, let me back up. He has seven different touch seven touchdowns marked within the last three games four different ways does Avery McFadden for Hillcrest receiving rushing passing and defensively in the last three games Avery McFadden four ways he can score seven touchdowns total he's been fascinating so I I tell you, I tell you what that that game right there is at JL man I still think Hillcrest has the edge with a quarterback back but we have some really fun matchups on Friday night
2: Cole, we got about a minute left, and we got two quick questions to get to you from our listeners. Can you ask Cole about last-second field goal in the Greenville Greer game? Video appeared to show that Greenville missed it. From Nathan R.
4: No, I, I don't know that I saw that. I I think the the most uh, the best angle I had on it uh, was you know a, a good field goal. I don't know if it was just a high kick to where it kind of looked like it went over the upright. But no, I, I didn't hear any pushback at all from either coaching staff on that.
2: Can you ask Cole his thoughts on where schools like Gray Collegiate should be classified? Another one in Florida, Cole, is like the IMG Academy.
4: Yeah, I think they should be playing 5A football, Mark. I mean, I'm going to get a lot of disagreement on that. But when you have the ability to, to pull from anywhere, you know, I, I just think it's a, it's a clear advantage. But shouldn't they be playing could- in
2: their own league, though? I mean, like, well, yeah, that's yeah, not no, fair that's to not really other 5A problem. schools. You know, that's well, not – they're recruiting, and they, they, they've they got academies and, you know, specialized training and all that around, stuff. Yeah.
4: That's the problem. I don't know if there's enough schools around for their for them to have their own league, but I like that idea a lot, too. I, I definitely think what they're doing now is totally unfair.
2: Uh, Cole Bryson, our high school football expert, uh, joining us right here on the host of the Saturday Scramble – Cole, we look forward to catching up with you on Friday for some preview action, all right? Thank you, Mark. Talk to you then, man. All right, we will do that for sure. And coming up next, Diesel and I will give you our playoff four, the four teams that will be making the playoff this year in college football. That's next here on Offsides. We are the Fan Upstate. It's Offsides, Mark Ryan and Diesel. We are the fan upstate. Predictably, Diesel, I post the tweet about um, who would win the vote for the most unlikable personality in college football. And because I know that Dabo would get thousands of votes, his name's on the list and people don't read anymore. The response is, you're you're saying Dabo's unlikable? Grew up without a lot of money. Walked on at Alabama. When did I say he was unlikable? I'm saying if you ran a poll of the most unlikable people in college football, Dabo would be in the top ten in terms of votes received. You know he's been likable to me. He's been likable to Diesel, right? Um, But there's you. You don't like. You got to see outside of your bubble, folks. Okay. You got to realize that there's thousands of college football fans in America who don't like Dabo Sweeney. Who don't like what he says? Who th- find him cheesy? Right? I mean, you got to like, you got to be able to see outside of yourself um, and your four walls to be able to to grasp that. Okay. Um, so that's why I ask you: Who would be on the list? Who would get the most votes? Dabo would certainly be up there. Uh, and then, who is your most unlikable person in college football this year? Um, I've got Brian Kelly, Caleb Williams, Coach Prime, Dabo, Dave Doran, Eli Drinkwitz, James Franklin, uh, Jim Harbaugh, Jimbo Fisher, Lane Kiffin, Lincoln Riley, Mike Gundy, Nick Saban, Ryan Day, Shane Beamer, and Shador Sanders. Those are the guys that made the list. What say you? All right, my friends. It is time for our Playoff Four, Diesel. The four teams that ultimately will make the college football playoff. Are we getting to the point now where we don't have so many changes week in and week out? Because, you know, we're coming to all these conference championship games and maybe, just maybe, we know who the top four are. I know you had Penn State in yours for a while, Diesel. I I know I had Florida State out of mine for a while. I've seen the light. What do you got?
3: Yeah, I felt like this was going to be the year that Penn State broke through, but, man, I was wrong. Uh, Georgia really is that team. Uh, Georgia is going to make the playoff. Michigan is that team. I think they're going to smack Ohio State around when they play. Uh, Florida State, I think, will be in. And outside of that, this is where it gets really interesting. As of right now, Washington is there. Uh, Washington is undefeated. Correct me if I'm wrong. Washington is undefeated. You got Oregon, Texas, Alabama, all sitting there with one loss, uh, and then you know I think I think as of right now, it surely stands that Washington will will get there. Something wild could happen, and they could lose the Pac-12 championship game, and then all hell is going to break loose for that fourth spot.
2: I would agree. I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Oregon gets in because they win the rematch against Washington. Uh, They're your four seed. At my three seed, okay, um, I am going to go Florida State. I think they go unbeaten. At my two seed, I'm going to go Michigan. They go unbeaten. And at my one seed, I'm going to go Georgia. They go unbeaten. But Alabama is now showing themselves to be a team that is capable of beating Georgia. And we asked you guys, which conference is most likely to get two teams in? Does the Michigan-Ohio State loser get in, right? If Oregon beats Washington in the rematch, is there a chance both Oregon and Washington get in? I still think it's the SEC because I think you're going to have a tough case against Georgia. This, the case is going to be the schedule, but then Georgia will have beaten Missouri and Ole Miss and Tennessee this week. And then if Alabama were were to beat them, that's an unbelievable win for Alabama. Do you have Alabama in as the four seed and uh, Georgia in as the one? Like, what do you do there? Right? I'll go with the same four I had last week. Georgia one, Michigan two, Florida State three, and Oregon four. But this is getting juicy, my friends. This is getting juicy. All right? Which conference is most likely to get two teams in the dance? All right, my friends, up next on the show, it is time for the 6 o'clock hour. There's one thing that uh, the Clemson-Georgia Tech game taught me on Saturday uh, that shocked me more than anything else has this season. I'll share that with you next here on Offsides. We are the Fan of State